Christ, mercy, and peace in the name of the God who created you, in the name of the God who redeems you, in the name of the God who sanctifies your life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Christian friends, you know, there's one song group, very popular musical group, which has probably been more instrumental, um, probably impacted or influenced people more than any other. And I'm speaking about the Beatles. Think about it. Probably have more than any and actually still are impacting people. I mean, they've sung all kinds of songs, you know, like She Loves You and, and uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And then there's those ones with some very unique names like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band or Judy in the Sky with Diamonds or um, We All Live in a Yellow Submarine. You remember that? Yeah, I don't know. But then there was others that had just simple names. There was one called Cars or girl, imagine. But there was another song that was actually very popular that probably isn't our first or second choice, but one that really says a lot, and that is, Here Comes the Sun. Here Comes the Sun. That's really the theme of what Malachi is trying to say in the Old Testament. Malachi in the Old Testament is really saying that the sun is coming. Son, S-O-N, is coming. Here comes the son. And he is speaking, yeah, of Bethlehem at a time in the future for him and all those people, but also the second coming of Christ, the judgment day coming of Christ. And he relates to that in that Old Testament lesson Brian read a moment ago. Now, this took place about 400 years before Jesus was born. 400 years. It was a very dark time for the people. There weren't any prophets anymore. There was such a gap between Malachi, which remember is the last book of the Old Testament, and then the Gospel of Matthew and Jesus' birth in the New Testament. 400 years. It was a gloomy, dark time, and where's God? There were no prophets that were coming anymore. And so they were searching for God. They forgot about God. It was a very gloomy, dark period of time. And some of the words that Malachi uses, and it's just a four-chapter book, he says things like, um, um, it is vain to serve God. It is vain to serve God. He was saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. And this is what the people were saying back then. Because, you know, where is God? And then he goes on even further saying that the prosperous people, they are the people who are affluent and they, they really judge God by their lack of obedience and they escape. They escape. So you see the frustration of the people back then. Certain people, wealthy people, were getting away with everything. And the people who were, you know, the common people, the people that were even searching for God or looking for God's presence, nothing, nothing was going on there. It was so hard for them back in that time frame. And yet we kind of understand it ourselves in this day and age. We understand it simply because, you know, is our devotion increasing in this country? Really? I mean, are we praying more? Are we worshiping more? I don't think so at all. And we can be very cynical and sarcastic ourselves when we start to look at the news. What does the news say? Criminals are getting away with things. P 
People are being hurt here and there. And what's taking place? Is there any punishment? Where's the justice, God? And so we say the same things that people 400 years before Jesus' birth were saying too. Well, maybe it has something to do with misconceptions. Misconceptions. Maybe we misconceive really what justice is when God proclaims it and what he is all about. It's a little bit like the, the boy who, who watched his father one day put gasoline in the car, you know, at the station. And so the boy was going to do the same thing when he got home. And so when he got home, he gets out the water hose, he opens up the tank, puts it in, he starts racing to the faucet before his father grabs him. He says, no, 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 don't do that. The boy had a misconception about what kind of hose would fill the tank with gas. Or maybe in a more serious situation here. Here is a woman who had a misconception about her daughter. See, her daughter was very sick. She wasn't going to get home for Christmas at all. She was going to be in the hospital for, for a couple weeks' time. And so mom is an extremely busy person. She's got her job there, you know, her career and so forth. So she races in every evening around 6 o'clock. She comes there about that time, and she always brings a gift for her daughter. And she would give her that gift and leave it for her and tell her to open it and so forth. But then mom, because she's got other preparations and things to do, you know, as soon as she gets there, it seems like she's out the door again, thinking that the gifts are going to appease and bring some care and love to her daughter. But her daughter wouldn't play with the gifts. She didn't care about the doll that mom brought her. No, she just pushed it aside and she started crying when mom would leave. Because all she wanted was love of mom. She wanted that kind of care and compassion there, wanted to be with her. That's all she wanted, as even as a Christmas present, if you will. You see, there are misconceptions, certainly, in life. And you can go back into the New Testament, that gospel lesson I read a moment ago. The people had a misconception about John the Baptist. They thought John the Baptist was the Messiah. I mean, he was baptizing people for the repentance of their sins. He was warning them. He was pointedly rebuking people about their gluttony and materialism and so forth. Hey, must be the Messiah, the one who's coming to change things, save things. And Jesus said, yeah, you know, John the Baptist was, he was a lamp. He was important. He was preparing the way for me because I am the light. I am the source of light, Jesus would say to the people. And so the people had a misconception then. And so misconceptions, well, they can be humorous. Or they can be sad. Or they certainly can be misunderstood. But they can also be very serious misconceptions, especially when we start to look at this Old Testament lesson again and people even today realizing that, yeah, I mean, if, if it all is about what's fair in this world, and that God is not being just, well, you are misconceiving what God is all about and how he comes to his people and how he is still there for his people even during difficult and hard times, times of struggle and times of loss. He says, Malachi, also in that book, he says to the people that God says you are my treasured possessions, treasured possessions. And so that's how he comes back to the people. You are treasured. Now the people in Malachi's day may not feel treasured, 
by God because like, where is he? Why isn't he here to help me or care for me in my need? And yet the people are still called treasured possessions by God himself. He cares that much. And that's true for you and I as well. Because in our personal lives, you may feel somewhat lost. You don't feel exactly uh, valued, maybe even by God, much less by other people around. And yet, what does he say in the New Testament? In the book of Titus, St. Paul writes to Titus and says, You are mine, says the Lord. In 1 Peter, it says, You belong to me, says God. You know, and so, yes, there's still that sense of being valued by a loving and caring God. And that love and care is present today. But we more fully see it when we get to that time when Jesus will come again. Not that first time in Bethlehem, but when he will come again to judge the world. Because at that point, all the gloom... All the sadness is going to be entirely eliminated. It's going to be removed as well. In other words, if you are somebody who maybe is grieving the loss of some dear one, maybe you are somebody who feels like a failure and you haven't been successful in life, maybe you've gone through things of divorce, maybe serious illness, all kinds of struggles that you have faced. Here comes Malachi saying, you've got a God who is now going to come again another day, someday in the unknown, and he's going to make all things new. We are going to be restored and renewed as human beings. All the hurts, the pains that we are suffering are going to be completely gone. And in that eternal life, wow, Boy, the things that you were going to see. Remember those sunflowers, you know, which you always pass by? Or that sunset, which you keep missing? Well, you're going to see it again and again and again in eternal life. And you're also going to see Jesus himself, of course. That babe born in those swaddling clothes. That one who discards those wraps in the tomb when he rose from the dead. It's this Jesus that you are going to see in all the brilliance, the fullness that God can bring. Yes, here is truly the light. It all takes place because of a gloomy day, though. That Friday, called Good Friday, that one, where Jesus is now hanging between two criminals. And Jesus says his last words, those last words, that it is finished. In other words, that plan of salvation is completely done. It has been taken care of. The curse is gone. Death has been swallowed up in victory. We are freed. We are people now who are freed because of the life and the forgiveness which he brings. And we have life eternally. Yes, that's the exuberance that will be inside all of us on that last day, knowing that Jesus Christ has overcome all, that we might have all in eternal life. One of my favorite Christmas carols is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I love that Christmas carol because of the words which are in it as well as the tune. In verse 3, some places it's verse 2, but in verse 3 it says, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. 
light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Now the writer Charles Wesley, back in 1737 or so, you know, he actually takes Malachi to write those words in that very popular Christmas carol. He takes those words of Malachi there, and he speaks about the son of righteousness. And I always had a little trouble with that, because why does it say son of righteousness, and it's S-U-N instead of S-O-N? Isn't it referring to Jesus himself? But what Wesley was trying to do is to make the suggestion of the light, the brilliance, the source of energy and light which Jesus is, and that's why it's S small letter U. And the son of righteousness. We are righteous in God's eyes because of the one who makes us right with God. We are right with God the Father because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. Because he made things right by overcoming our sins, now we're acceptable to God the Father. We become righteousness because of his perfect righteousness. And then he speaks about healing in the wings. Healing on the wings. And that healing is really present tense as well as complete and full in the eternal future. It's present tense because you have healing simply because of the forgiveness that God gives to you. Because your sins are forgiven. That's a healing from guilt. A healing from that sickness of disease called sin. You are healed in that way. You are healed in the sense of, hey, there is a God that's with you who is present with you, who cares about you and loves you and gives you his wisdom and strength as well, even now. Healing in the wings. Yes, that's healing that is there for you and me. And so you can see even when we come in a week and a half to Christmas Day, we can rejoice. We can be like those calves that are leaped because they are freed from the... what. In, it contains them. We can jump for joy with that exuberance, with that life itself. Cynics may laugh. Scholars may say it's a fable. It's just a myth, say other people who think that they know better. And yet we know by the word of God that here is a God who still does love and care for us at all times and in all places and in all circumstances. And then one day, you and I and all the faithful will gather around the throne of God and sing, here comes the sun. Amen. Amen. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for being that light in our personal lives. Continue to be that light, dear Lord, and may we shine with that brightness, knowing that in just a week and a half we're going to celebrate your birth again, and yet there'll be another day, a second coming, in which we can truly rejoice in all fullness and completeness because we'll be with you eternally. So bless our faith, dear Lord. Increase our devotion. May we look unto you and know of the salvation that comes in Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness. Amen.